Hebrews 4, verse 12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Jesus, the great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time and need. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the words that hold the key to eternal life that we've heard this morning. And we pray that, Father, you will open our hearts to you this morning that we may see and hear and understand. In the name of Christ, amen. If I said that the Hebrews uh, letter was written to enable uh, Jewish Christians to really understand what it meant that they could enter into the Holy of Holies, then you will understand what the whole theme really is about throughout the whole of the letter of Hebrews because as we move on to verse 14 this morning we come to the central theme of this letter of this epistle which is all about Christ our great high priest but it can't be there without the bit that went before because that's about rest so from verse 12 we're looking at we're continuing in the theme of rest what it is to rest in the finished work of Christ and with the uh, Hebrew Christians what was going on was they were used to a sacrificial system they were used to a high priest going into the holy of holies and they weren't able to enter in and of course with Christ's sacrifice and the torn veil the veil torn in two it was quite clear from that amazing demonstration of power from God that this no longer existed. This is the priesthood of all believers and we can all enter in. So I could sit down now and say that's what it's all about but I think we ought to put just a little bit of flesh on the bones. So in chapter 4 um, of Hebrews, so chapter 4 verse 12 is where we're beginning. Um, we continue with the theme of rest, as I've said, what it is to rest in the finished work of Christ. And then from verse 14, we move on to the main theme, which is all about Christ, our great high priest. 
So it's clear to the writer of the Hebrews that every single one of us, because we are in Christ, all of us belong together. And we all need to show zeal, earnest desire, action. We need to continually endeavor to walk in the way of Jesus. And we also have the responsibility to make sure that we are caring enough for each other to notice whether any single one of our number is falling away. Big responsibility, isn't it? Do we know each other well enough to know that? And it's a challenge because it isn't just about us. It's a corporate responsibility. We have a responsibility for making sure each other are okay as well as making sure that we understand we can come in to the Holy of Holies. Hence the constant reference theme throughout the earlier chapters of Hebrews of being aware. Beware lest any of you get hardened in your hearts, rather like the people of Israel, who had to walk around the wilderness for some 40 years before they were strong enough to enter into the promised land. And of course, the writer to the Hebrews was writing to the Jewish Christians of the day who knew their heritage stories, but it also fully applied to Gentile believers. And as such, we can always learn from the Old Testament records of the wilderness adventures, stories, which are actually being applied here in this letter. I hope that each one of us will take time to read Old Testament stories and make sure that we continue to learn from the different stories that indicate what it is that causes us to turn away. Because those stories are written in order that we might learn. And application is important. We read, we look in the mirror, we apply the outcome of these stories to our own lives. And if we continue to follow the wrong path, then we ask the God of, of grace to correct us, to enable a new way of walking with him through our weaknesses. And that is coming to God with boldness. Striving to do good in the wrong sense is just one of those weaknesses that we can exhibit. Oh, if I did better, if I was better. We can care so much about doing good that we do good in our own strength without realizing the need to humble ourselves, to ask, to seek, to knock for more of the Holy Spirit's power to help us to persevere and overcome when we're finding the road difficult. The portion of our reading today is all about that. It's about looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher, the pioneer of our faith. And it's about him becoming human, therefore understanding our weaknesses. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2, it says about Jesus, he was faithful to God who chose him to do this work, just as Moses was faithful in his work in God's house. Jesus, of course, is worthy of much greater honor than Moses. So in chapter 4, verse 14, we're encouraged to hold on to the faith firmly that we profess because we have a great high priest who has gone into the very presence of God, Jesus, the Son of God. 
Our great high priest is not one who can't feel sympathy for our weaknesses. On the contrary, we have a high priest who was tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. Be brave, therefore, be bold. Do you remember the old song? Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. I am not afraid, I am not dismayed, I'm walking in faith and victory. And that's the kind of boldness that we're encouraged to allow to grow within us as we approach God's throne where there is grace. And what wonderful words of fulfillment of all the promises God had given over the past centuries. Enter in with boldness. Mercy and grace for all we need is with us. As we enter with boldness into the Holy of Holies where God's presence and power and grace are. Rest. These things hang together. Rest. The place to enter in is rest. It suggests no striving, no sense of making ourselves more acceptable so that we can come. No, the place of rest is the place of acceptance. It's a holding place. The place where we're welcomed into all that our Father is and wants for us. The place of belonging. The place where we're already in because we are in Christ. Held by his finished work clothed in the robe of righteousness he has given us, we can enter into the Holy of Holies where the finished work of Christ is waiting for us. It's like just moving into a new gown and standing in that gown because you know that that gown is a sign before the Father. We are totally accepted in the Beloved. We can ask anything in his name and he will give it. And it's also a place of trust and trusting that the Father of all, who loves each one of us, will not give us a stone if we ask him for bread. Entering boldly into his presence means entering with confidence. That means with outspoken expression of our faith and our need. Outspoken expression of our faith and our need. We can come to the very throne of God himself to find that we are welcomed, we're loved, we're listened to. And we can know with a great sense of inner belief and witness that God will give us all that we need because of his great mercy and his provision for us. We always find compassion and mercy when we bring our sin and weaknesses to him. He loves that in us when we are truly honest. He loves that. However, what can stop us coming and receiving can equally be when we assess ourselves in the light of our low self-esteem. I'm not good enough. I mean, I was going to ask you just to stop and wait with your hands raised for one minute in the presence of God. Because I knew what would happen. You would start to think, oh, you know, did I I do this? I said that word to somebody and, oh, I don't know that I really... You know, you'd be thinking more about 
ourselves quite often than thinking about the fact that God, who is Lord of heaven and earth, actually wants you to be in front of him. And he loves you coming into his presence. And in the name of Jesus, you can do it. Any time, any place, anywhere. Good news? We always find compassion and mercy when we bring our sins and our weaknesses to him and he loves that in us. We don't ask because we truly feel unworthy and think that his goodness is based on us being good. His goodness is based on Christ, on the finished work of Jesus for each one of us. We stand in Jesus, finished and completed, asking in his name. And whatever we ask in his name, it will be given to us. The place of grace, the place of rest, resting on the promises of Christ my Saviour, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. I know Donald loves that one. I'm sure lots of you do. It's a wonderful one. When we find ourselves weary, shrinking from pain, we can know that these are the things that the incarnate Son of God experienced, yet without any sin. He never fell into sin. We do, but because he lives and he didn't fall into sin, we live in him. We, because he lives, we live in him. And we can enter into the presence of God can often feel confused too. We wait for God to answer our prayers. Do we pray aright? Do we understand how we can pray? How we can ask, seek, knock? Do we understand that the door will be opened to us or when the door will be opened? Too often we understand ourselves. We know that we're disappointing ourselves because we know what we're really like. However, we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and put our focus strictly on Jesus, the finished work. He sat down in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit, when we acknowledge our need, can't do it, that we can't do it ourselves. We need this saving power of God to approach him. Just take these words in. Jesus has done it all. He saved us by the blood sacrifice of his cross. And God has proved that it is finished by the power of the resurrection and the ascension seals the deal. Do you feel his presence? Do you know that you are seated in Christ in the place of his authority in the heavenly realms, far above all principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places? Whatever difficulties you face, whether your own weakness or because you know that you are like what you're like and that inhibits you in the way that you come to God's presence, know that in him you sit and know that in him you walk and know that in him you stand. Knowing who he is is key to coming with boldness. And the Spirit and the Word point the way to knowing who he is and what he is like. 
And the reading last week at the early service showed us that Jesus is the exact representation of the being of God, his perfect likeness. Want to know what God is like? Then look into the face of Christ himself by the scriptures. I met a father in the street this week, and I'm not going to give any names away because there is a, a sort of light connection with this church. And the father said, with a little girl by his side, my daughter doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. She's only a little weenie. I said, why don't you believe in him anymore? There are too many stories about him for him to be real. So I suggested that she should read one or more of the comic strips that tell the Bible stories and that maybe dad could buy her a children's Bible that will have lots of pictures that will help her to get into some of those stories. She was obviously feeling confused. So I asked him to do that and I hope that he will because the reason I asked that he would do that, it will help her to see Jesus in cartoon in the flow of these stories, knowing that by gazing into the truth, she will be open to God helping her with her very young struggle. Gaze into the word of God. See the face of Jesus, whom you will see the whole nature of God, who he is and what he is like how he responds and how he longs to get us to understand that he so loves you, he so loves me and the whole world and that the whole act of sending his son was to save us. Verse 12 tells us that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts all the way through to where soul and spirit meet to where joint and marrow come together. It goes on to say that nothing can be hidden from God. Everything in all creation is exposed and lies open before his eyes. And it is to him that we must all give account of ourselves. It is to him, the word of God, that we come. Jesus is God's word. The Bible is God's word. It shares the very attributes of God himself. It is living, full of activity and power to achieve. In it, God himself is active, so it is never without result. It either brings saving knowledge of his love, or we bring ourselves out of his circuit, and we have judged ourselves accordingly. It's like a radical knife that dissects, that forces open division and distinction between things that differ in human life. It helps us to critique our minds and our thoughts as we are fully exposed to the gaze of God within us. Nothing can be concealed before God. We are laid bare. That's okay. It's good news. Because in Christ he has finished the work so we can enter into the heavenly glory, into this amazing room filled with joy and peace, knowing that we are loved by him who first loved us. So enter in with boldness, with confidence and don't hang about. There's much work to do for his earthly kingdom.
for his kingdom to come. I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.